Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Level Up, where we discuss the most current and relevant best practices, new technologies, and staffing resources to truly level up your pharmacy career and your practice. And now, get ready to level up. Nicole, welcome to the show. I am super excited to have you. Welcome to Level Up. I'm excited to be here. I know this is exciting. We've been trying to get this on our calendar for a couple of weeks now. And <laughs> due to our scheduling and mostly mine, we have had to rearrange our schedules. But first and foremost, happy National Technicians Day. As we are recording this, it will be before, but as this goes live, this will come after after come out after the day. So I just want to first and foremost say congratulations to you and all your success. And thank you for what you do for not only the pharmacist profession, but also for the pharmacy technician career path. Thanks. Yeah, it's nice to have you. So why don't we start by sharing a little bit about yourself? I know that can be a windy answer, but just how you got into the seat that you're currently in now. Yeah. So what's funny about being a pharmacy technician and ultimately, as I'll, I guess, cover here in a minute, one of the things that I really want to see change is when you ask people this question, I want it to be like, Hey, I went to high school and then I found this out and I wanted to do this. And this is, I wanted to be this from the jump. But for a lot of people right now, that's in the profession, that's not the story. Um, pharmacy technician tends to be kind of like a fallback or a second plan or something that happened instead of what you really wanted to do. And myself included, I, um, graduated high school, didn't really know what to do, went to college, didn't really know what I wanted to do, to be honest, uh, come from a family of nurses and aviation people in the Navy. And so I didn't want to fly airplanes. And so um, I thought, you know, maybe I'll be a nurse. And so I got a job working at um, just a retail pharmacy and loved it, to be honest. I liked every aspect of it, did it while I was in college and ultimately changed from nursing to pre-pharmacy because I wanted to go to pharmacy school. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I, you know, life happened. Not everybody has a smooth sailing no. um, time. Yeah. And uh, I was in college and I really struggled in organic chemistry and I did pass it, but it was literally oh my by gosh. The so my hard, teeth. literally so hard. You. It's the so worst. worst. I have PTSD just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just pray that my children never go to organic <laughs> chemistry. So I don't have to relive that, but um. I had a teacher who was really complicated and new to education and in this type of education and just wasn't very encouraging. And then I had an advisor who basically told me I'd never make it in pharmacy school and that I should consider dropping out of college and waiting till I was more mature to go back to school because I didn't, yeah. he didn't think I could handle it. Hmm. Um, and so at 20, that was really hard to hear. Yeah. And so it really kind of just made me think, well, you know, crap, maybe I don't need to do this. Maybe I'm not meant to do this. And so I finished my baccalaureate degree in biology with all of the requirements to go to pharmacy school, but just kind of didn't try. I didn't even apply. Right. Um, and so my confidence was just very low. And so um, around that time, the retail pharmacy that I worked for um, needed someone for their two districts, their north and south districts, to train pharmacy technicians um, to take the PTCB certification exam. Okay. And so they thought I was a good trainer and they were like, why don't you try to do this? You know, you have a college degree. And so I did that for their corporate for about two years and I really okay. liked it. 
I had no idea you did that. That is so cool. I, yeah, it's, it was a lot of fun. Um, I learned a lot. I didn't really have any education experience at that time. So it was like trying to figure out how to trial by fire, like teach people things. And I had them like once a week for six weeks kind of thing. And so it was really interesting. And so that kind of sparked a, well, maybe I could teach, like I could get summers off. Like that would be really cool. You know, this naive approach to public education. (laughs) Um, And so I got my master's in education and, um, I did my student teaching and I was like, I hate this. Like, this <laughs> is horrible. Like teachers get treated horribly. I don't want to do this. And oddly enough, like, I'll just be really honest. I made more money at that point at Walgreens or at my retail Walgreens than I did in the public education or would have made in, with a master's degree in public mm-hmm. education, which I think speaks to a whole nother issue. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I really literally can't afford to do this at this time. And I don't want to. So right. I didn't. And so I was kind of stagnant, right? I was stuck kind of working in retail pharmacy and um, I have a master's. My student loans are coming due. Like I, you know, I, I was really kind of like, what do I need to do here? And as luck would have it, a couple of pharmacists, friends that I made along the way um, got a job at a hospital. And they were like, you will love this. Like, you need to do this. So they um, put my name out there. I applied. I got an interview. So I started staffing on like an Mm -hmm. evening shift at a level one trauma center um, where I live in Nashville. And it was amazing. And I just learned so much. And I thought I kind of walked into it a little cocky, to be really honest. I was like, I know so much. I have (laughs) degrees. And then I got there and I was schooled real quick about inpatient (laughs) pharmacy and about Uh, how much academia will do that to you. No worries. (laughs) For sure. Um, And so I was humbled and I just was like, I'm like a sponge in a lot of situations. So I just soaked up as much as I could. And Um, I'm a process person. So I began really looking at operational things in my area and where I worked and tried to just be helpful and improve things and train people and things like that. And then um, a management position came open and I applied for it and I was qualified on paper, I guess. And so then I got it and I started doing compliance and onboarding. So if you came into the pharmacy department in any capacity, pharmacist, technician, support staff at all, you onboarded with me first and I did all your regulatory compliance stuff, made sure you had everything. And then I sent you out to where you go. And then I also did wraps. Like if people quit, like I did some of the HR kind of stuff to help out, um, helped with that with recruitment and all kinds of things. And during this time, I learned so much about how the world of pharmacy works. And I had um, like the back end of things. Mm-hmm. And I had a really awesome kind of mentor. Shout out to Mark Sullivan. Um, he is the chief pharmacy officer. I know um, Mark. At Vanderbilt Medical Center. Yeah, he's amazing. And he, he might not know day, me, but I know him. <laughs> oh, really? I think he's, he, he's like, so he knows everybody. Like it's, I literally will have a conversation. But I, I did like, a oh, site visit. Yeah. I did a site when I was a resident, it was like 10 years ago, longer, oh, wow. maybe I did a site <laughs> visit. Cause I, I did residency at the university of Kentucky. So we were just not too oh, far away. Right. Yeah. Wow. And I lived in Kentucky, Lexington for five years. So, um, I did a site visit when we were doing, going through all of our, I think it was the specialty pharmacy or 340B stuff. And so I met him, but yeah, he probably doesn't remember me. <laughs> he, you'd be surprised. He like files things away and like, yeah. he might not remember your name, but he he doesn't really forget faces. Yeah. And so he 
at the time was like, I think, I don't know if he was a director yet or if he was like managing all the inpatient operations. I can't remember at that time exactly what he was doing, but he, we were just bleeding technicians like on the regular. Like turnover? Yeah. Just, we couldn't keep them and Mm -hmm. it, it didn't matter. And it was just crazy. And so we were like strategizing on what we could do and all these things. And I remember he came into my office, just sat down in the corner of my desk. He's like, what are we going to do? I don't know what to do. And so we would just brainstorm. And through the process of us trying to figure all this out, he really encouraged me to like join ASHP, to um, be involved in our local state pharmacy organization we call TPA. And so he really said like, to get you prepared to like do things, you need to be plugged in. You need to have education. You need to mm-hmm. know people. You need to do all these things. And so he was like, you just, just do it. Like just sign up, start, you know, getting information, whatever. And then was really supportive whenever I came to him with ideas about like going to mid-year and things like that, um, which was kind of unheard of at that point for technicians yeah. in our operation. Only if you presented or had a poster or something like that, did you go And so through all of that, I was like, well, you know, I used to teach these certification classes and I think maybe we could grow our own. Like, I think we could just train our own. And so the wheels really started spinning and he really kind of uh, nurtured that thought process. And so fast forward many years later, um, right before COVID started, we were like, we're going to do this. We're going to start a program. And so then COVID happened, but we still got it off the ground. So I actually started the pharmacy technician training and education program at Vanderbilt Medical Center in Nashville and got that accredited all while being a member of the PTCB certification council and ASHP's uh, pharmacy technician accreditation commission. It's funny how you go down these roads and things just start happening. And like you start talking to people and you have conversations. And I think the biggest thing for me was I never let it intimidate me when I walked into a room and it was like just full of pharmacists and I always to a fault offer my opinion and my thoughts. And so I think just wiggling my way and faking it till I make it to have a seat at the table at some of these conversations really kind of opened one door to another door and all of these things. And so, and then just connections of knowing people. And so just honestly, um, my connections with, um, some people with, um, pharmacy technician certification board, uh, PTCB's certification council, I heard of an opportunity to come work for CE impact and it Mm. was very, um, intriguing and it was something like I'd never heard of before. And so I reached out and kind of threw my name in the hat and, you know, had some conversations and realized it was just, an amazing fit for me. And, um, so what I do now is, um, I'm the manager of pharmacy technician and client education here at CE impact. And I, you know, manage a lot of our joint provider stuff. So when we work with colleges of pharmacies or medical centers or state pharmacy organizations to help them accredit education that they want to offer to staff members, whoever, I do a lot of that kind of stuff and help support them through that process. Um, But the thing that I love probably the most is getting to work with you and other people on our team and develop really good pharmacy technician education. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that hooked me in about coming to CE Impact was our tech by design concept. Um, um, It was really getting off the ground at that time and just being able to say that I work for a company that 
not only offers really good pharmacy technician CE and pharmacist CE, Mm -hmm. but from my point of view at that point in time, um, the pharmacy technician CE, but it's also like, we really try to have it made by and um, designed by pharmacy technicians. So it's been my experience in the continuing education realm as a learner needing CE that a lot of the content feels like watered down pharmacist content Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. And it's kind of like, after a certain point, it almost feels insulting because you're like, are we not important enough to have our own education? And so to be able to be a part of something that's like, you are important. You do deserve your own career path. You deserve your own education for sure. That is modeled and designed by your peers. And so um, it was just really cool to me and groundbreaking in thought. And so yeah, I jumped in and here we are. That, Yeah. What does your day look like on a day-to-day basis? Don't say nothing. No day is the same because that's a, that's an easy answer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, sometimes they are like you get into a flow and the things you're doing during your task time may be different, but I would say that I have the really wonderful opportunity to work from home, Yeah, which is nice. Um, I thought, you know, I had that happen when I started with, you know, working from home during COVID and I thought I would hate it because I'm a people person. Um, but I actually don't mind it because I can, it makes me pour more into my personal relationships, like outside of work and not just rely on those connections. Um, which is really, you have to be intentional, but anyway, I work a lot with our joint providers, um, managing, getting their stuff in and peer reviewing content and getting things accredited and making sure everything meets those ACPE standards to deliver, you know, good joint provider education. I do that. That's probably like 75% of my day. And then the rest of the time I'm, you know, helping coordinate with pharmacy technician projects or special Mm -hmm. things we're doing um, with education partners and stuff like that. And so I really, really enjoy it. And then um, I also, which I left out, I am um, a member of the Tennessee Board of Pharmacy. Um, I'm actually the first technician member that Tennessee Board of Pharmacy ever had. Yeah, you the are inaugural. The inaugural. <laughs> inaugural. Um, and so that just started in July. And so we actually haven't had an in-person meeting since then. Um, and so I think we have one in November. So I'm really excited. We've done some like phone meetings and some like emails back and forth. And so that'll be a really cool new kind of adventure for me to set out on. I think what is, when I what did is my your role on that? What does that look like? Yeah. So you hear about like, what does the board of pharmacy do? You know, you're like, I don't know, like, it just sounds cool. And um, so when I did my orientation with the executive director, she said that our goal is to protect public health and to be an advocate for people in the community. Right. Sure. Yeah. And so she explained it in that, I'm not there to advocate for technicians. I'm not there to advocate for pharmacists or pharmacy policy. I'm there to make sure that what we're doing as a board and the things we're supporting and the decisions we're making are in the best interest of the citizens of the state of Tennessee. Wow. And that really, yeah, because it's not not like an advocacy role. It is a, it's a neutral position, making sure that your neighbors and your kids are safe. So, yeah, I really, it kind of was like a, for lack of a better term, like a gut punch a little bit. You're like, oh, this is actually kind of serious. Like, this is, this is important. Like, 
a lot of the stuff I've done in the past has felt important to me, like things advocating yeah. for pharmacy and advancing careers and all that stuff felt feels important. But this literally is like, ooh, like this is this has uh, real how many, world implications. Yeah, for sure. How many people are on the board? Ooh, uh, I should probably know that. I don't. What is? I, don't I mean, what does it entail? So, is there like, say, for example, there's ten people. Who, what are the, what is the demographics of the people who sit on the board? Are they mostly pharmacists assuming? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, so there's like a public member, I think yeah, that's, yeah. so I think between the public member and myself, we're the only non-pharmacists, non. okay. I think. Okay. I could be wrong, but that's I'm how California sure is. I, I, yeah. I was just curious what, what those meetings look like, but we're going to have to have you back on the podcast in like, I don't know, six yeah. months after your November meeting to see what that's like. I know. I'm really excited. I, it's funny because they live stream the board of pharmacy meetings yeah. so that anybody can watch them. And I've actually, um, over the past like year, I've watched several because there was some really like important Hot topics, legislation and topics that were, you know, being talked about. And I wanted right. to see what was happening. Yeah. So that was helpful, I think, in seeing how the flow kind of works and, uh, what they do. And then just getting some background during my orientation so, and how really long helpful. is your, how long is your commitment? Seven years. Wow. Yeah. It's a long time. You just I gave was like, birth oh, to a child. This I, is... I, I literally have seven-year-olds. I have twins that are seven. And I'm like, this yeah, feels this like a commitment. long time. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to be 14. Whenever. Wow. They'll be in high school whenever this is over, which is just baffling in my yeah. brain to even comprehend. But um, yeah, I'm really excited nervous honestly yeah. to it's, it's a it's a heavy it's a heavy thing to be the first um I don't think a lot of people talk about that on certain things um there's a lot of pressure that comes with that that's like you don't want to screw it up um you don't want to get in that position and people be like then this was a mistake yeah um we don't well, need this to happen well, we can talk about imposter syndrome on a separate episode, but that's definitely not the case here. <laughs> oh, I, I, I live that. Yeah. Generally speaking. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of career paths, like, what do you think the future of the, of the profession or the career path for the techni technician looks like? Where, where do you think it's heading? It's funny because I feel like we're at this weird kind of breaking point for lack of a better term. I think for a long time, pharmacy technicians have been considered just like ancillary support staff right. and in a technical capability, just like there to punch the numbers and there to count the pills and scan out the things and stock the machines and all that kind of stuff. And I think that for a long time, it's just been like, ah, there's really no clinical knowledge required to do this job you know, we don't need to pay you X, Y, Z, and we don't need you to have these degrees and we don't need you to have these certifications. And the number of times that I've been told to my face in like, you know, national or state level meetings, I just need a warm body. I don't, it doesn't have to be blah, blah, blah. I just need a warm body. And I remember like multiple times being like, that's offensive, first of all, but okay. And then I realized like, we have to change that narrative. And I think there's so many awesome technicians like here in Tennessee, but at the national level as well, that are just killing it and trailblazing and showing people that we are capable of higher level thinking. We are capable of clinical decisions. We are capable of things that 
were never considered before. And I think that's really shown through COVID, to be really honest. Mm -hmm. I think COVID's been horrible and there's been a lot of horrible things that have happened because of it. But I think there's been some really key paradigm shifts that have happened because of COVID. And I think one of those is the role of the pharmacy technician has evolved drastically since then. Um, I remember January of 2020 at our state um, pharmacy association meeting, trying to like decide what we were going to advocate for, for legislation for the year. And we brought up technicians being able to give immunizations. And I remember being shut down so hard. Like, where does it end? I remember that was like a phrase that kept getting tossed around. Where does it end? If we give all of our duties to pharmacy technicians, what are the pharmacists going to (laughs) do? And so I was just like, okay. And then two months later, the world shut down and then we had to let technicians give immunizations and they, they stepped up. They were, they were forced to enter that position because of the need. Yeah. That tends to happen. Um, I was on our last podcast with Liza and Zach from PTCB. That's what he said. Uh, I venture to say a big statement, but I, I think majority of COVID vaccines were either delivered by pharmacists or pharmacy technicians. Uh-huh. I was yeah. taken back by that statement. Yeah. It's funny because as we're talking about the world evolving, like pharmacy technicians are not the only ones that have evolved, especially since COVID. I think the world at large, yeah. especially in the United States really has seen the value that a good pharmacist and a good pharmacy and pharmacy technician as a whole, as a team can, what they can provide to their community, what value we have um, in the healthcare setting. And I think that's really cool. I don't think that happens very often um, that the world recognizes, you know, what you do and how important it is. And to that vein, I think for a long time, there's been a stigma because the pharmacy technician role has been so technical that we are unpolished and uneducated and sometimes rough around the edges. And Mm -hmm. so to be able to have seats at tables to prove that narrative wrong, I think the more people that step into those kind of roles and the more advanced roles that are out there, people are proving that wrong. But I really see now that we've got more people than not in those kind of positions that are making decisions that are, um, you know, running whole sides of corporations that are either pharmacy technicians by training or eventually became pharmacy technicians that are making large decisions, um, for the better of clinical practice or a decision of a company or, you know, a healthcare system. I think as we see more technicians step into those roles, I think we'll really kind of see this breaking point occur with the profession where they realize again, their hand is forced. Right. Right. What what do you think my pharmacist colleagues or our pharmacy partners can do to elevate the role of a technician? I'm sensing first and foremost, a sense of empowerment or collegiality. That's, kind of what I'm hearing, but what do you think? Yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty spot on. I mean, it's easy to say like advocate to pay your technicians more and advocate to provide education. I mean, yeah. Who doesn't want to make more money? Come on, let's be honest. Everybody wants to make more money, but that's not always the fix, right? Providing a pizza party is not always the fix for a bad day. Providing a raise is not always the fix for crappy job conditions. Mm -hmm. So I think as a whole, Um, pharmacists that are in position of power as like CEOs and chief pharmacy officers and managers, you know, even just frontline staff management um, at organizations like providing a non-toxic work environment is key. No matter how much money you make, if it's toxic, it's, you're not going to stay. And so 
pharmacy technicians don't have the opportunity to develop and learn and grow in a toxic environment. So that to me is just like everyone working on their soft skills and trying to do better. And then just like you said, the collegiality of like considering them a partner in that venture that they're on, like not considering them as your support staff, but really consider them as your partner, as your clinical partner or whatever, like however you want to phrase it, um, giving them the respect and um, education opportunities that they deserve and pouring into them, being a mentor, I think never counting someone out just because they're a technician, trying to see potential in people and nurture that and foster that. Yeah, I love that. Um, Well, I think you're doing amazing work and you're stepping into a new role that comes with being inaugural again. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks for the work that you do here at CE Impact. We definitely see your impact on CE Impact. I think having the the lens of the technician amongst a team of pharmacists is a challenge to begin with. And I think you're doing a great job navigating that. (laughs) And then also I have to give you a shout out because we collaborated on the personal branding CE for both pharmacists by design, as well as technician by design. So Nicole and I worked together on that, or I kind of dragged her along with it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Nicole, you're going to do this with me. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to do it. So, um, I would encourage everyone to go back to, or to enroll in the by design membership and, and, and take the personal branding course. I mean, obviously this is a bit of a humble brag, right? It's me and Nicole who created the content ourselves. And, uh, Jen interviewed me for the, the topic and the concept of personal branding, but I think it's really important that especially the technicians or the employers who employ technicians who are listening, take steps to empower the technician and give them the tools, not just the not just the soft skills per se, but really tools on how to navigate their career and the roadmap on how to stand out and how to thrive in their career. And that's what we dove into specifically in the CE that we created together. So Nicole, thanks for being along this journey with me. Really appreciate you. Yeah. It, um, I, I know it was a challenge and maybe a new concept for some of the, um, and in some of the content, but you did a great job and I really appreciate your time and energy and efforts. And it was fun having you here. Yeah, it was great. I really, um, I think it's great information. I mean, obviously, like you said, humble brag, we created the content, but um, I learned a lot just reading over your content and stuff that you put into it and realized how important perception is right. in those things. And I think it's, it's really, it's really cool for anybody to listen to, to be really honest, but specifically if you're trying to grow that um, healthcare journey or that pharmacy technician journey or pharmacist journey, I think it'll be really helpful to help, you know, put you down the right path and help what people think about you. So yeah, I agree with you. Good. All right. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks. It was thanks great. for joining. Have a good one. All happy right. technician pharmacist day and happy Thank technician you. pharmacist pharmacy month. All of the things we're encapsulating yeah, under this the umbrella. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Jen here. I'd like to personally invite you to become a pharmacist by design. Being a pharmacist by design means you're striving to be the best version of yourself not just as a professional, but as an individual dedicated to improving patient care outcomes. You can learn more about Pharmacist by Design at ceimpact.com. And when you use the code LEVELUP, you'll get 10% off an already great rate for all the education you want. 
Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week as we help you level up your pharmacy practice.